Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I'm going to preach from the topic, when a house becomes a home, when a house becomes a home. And I'm going to take five weeks because we have five values that we have here at Hope Unlimited. And a house and a home, how many of you know that there's a difference? There's a difference between a house and a home. Um, When me and my wife were looking to build our house, we went and visited houses before, and we walked in, and there was all sorts of different houses that we looked at, but none of them felt like home. And I remember when I saw the home that we live in now for the first time, I saw a model of it, I was like, this is it. This is our home. And it was because I began to see um, some of you guys in there. I began to see Beckham running around and Anna, um, you know, just having a blast in my home. And I knew at that moment that I should, I should buy, we should buy this one. This is the one. Check it off. Buy it. But... Um, At Hope Unlimited, we have one of our core values. I'm not going to preach them in any particular order. Um, One of the core values that we have here is family. We value family. We value uh, you spending time with your family. We value you growing with your family. And we have this phrase around um, our value of family. We are a place for your whole family. But we are more a place where your family can be made whole. We're a place for your whole family. But more than that, we're a place where your family can be made whole. And, you know, homes are homes because of values. Because of things that they do. Like, I, for one of the things that I love about my home is that when I am home, I can just be home, right? I don't have to try to perform. I don't have to try to, like, if you come to my house, Anna will clean and get everything ready. But if you come to my house, expect to walk into my home. Don't expect to walk into this, like, cleaned up facility that has just been polished. Because If you don't want to come to my home, then you really don't want to spend time with me anyway, right? And so that's my that's my philosophy behind that. Um, Not 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 knocking all you people who clean because I know that some of y'all clean eighteen hours a day when y'all are at the house. (laughs) Mary, Mary, Um, I just want to break down the core value of family for us this morning, and we'll get we'll get into the into the meat of this. I want to read one verse to you today. God makes a home for the lonely. Psalm 68, 6. God makes a home for the lonely. There's another version that says, God puts the lonely people in families, right? And so I I want to start this out with preaching from the core value of family. So in order to understand anything really in the Bible, I've got to nerd out for a second. 
you'll, you should know this by now. You have to understand there's one law that you need to understand that is all throughout Scripture. You need to understand this one law or you will, you will be able to understand Scripture and you will be able to make some claims about God. But there is one law that I would, I would suggest that everyone needs to know, and it's called the law of original intention, right? Everything that has a purpose, when you trace it back in Scripture, if you want to know its ultimate purpose, you have to know what God intended it for. You with me this morning? So God's idea for humanity, and this is where I'm going to talk a little bit about Hope Unlimited, was a family in a garden, not a brand and a building, right? So it was, it was a family in a, garden, in a garden living together in a peaceful way. Nobody had these agendas. Nobody had these like plans to make it big right? As if there would have been a thing back then. But God put a family in a garden. God didn't even start with a church. He didn't even start the world with a church. He started it with a family. And church should be that. It should not be about our brand and our logo and how big we're going to build our next building, and all of that, even though all that's great and wonderful, if, if you want to call it that. But that's not what we're about, right? I'm believing God for a new building, right? But I'm not going to put strain on the family to pay for it, right? So... Those of you who want us to be in a new building, you better be praying hard because I ain't going into debt for it. <laughs> we'll stay right here. I don't care. It does not bother me at all. You have, people, you have people who have awesome buildings who can't pay their employees. You have people who have awesome Facilities and they have brands that they've built, and people in their church are starving to death. And on welfare, I was with a recently, I was with a friend of mine, and for some reason, he, he began to talk about church and life and all of that stuff. And he began to talk about this particular group of people that he interacts with, and he's like, Yeah. All the people who were like the men of God, they're wealthy. I'm like, awesome. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All the people who preach, they're wealthy. And I asked this question. I said, what about the people around them? What about the people around them? How wealthy are they? Because the favor of God poured out on one man is an Old Testament principle, right? And so when, 
When the favor of God is poured out on me, if I don't include you, I have missed it. I know, I'm about to throw out some numbers to you. I know pastors and leaders who make a million dollars a year. Over. And got people in their church on welfare. I know them. I know them. And you say, it's a favor of God. It's not. It's not. It's not what favor is. But I don't have an agenda to build a brand here. I'm not trying to build a brand. I'm not trying to build a building. I'm trying to build a family. We're, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make an atmosphere where people can be made whole in the presence of God. God will supply my every need. I, be, I, I believe that. I believe that. And so I'm not going to do all this stuff and make all these decisions and then ask you to pay for it. Right? All right. Quiet here this morning. God started with a family in a garden because he cares about you. Not what you can do for him. He cares about you. Only you. He doesn't care what exploits you do. We have this we have this we have this thing fostering in the American church right now and it's so strange. Uh, there's a scholar that I'm familiar with. He calls it heroic Christianity. Where we take the position of David and we say, I'm going to do everything to build God a house. You familiar with the story? David looks at God's tent. God has a tent. And then he looks at his luxurious house. And he says, I'm going to build God that. And God says, I didn't ask you to build me a house. But we have people that think that they're going to build God a house because they can preach good enough. It's quiet. And they can write good enough music. And they can sing good enough songs. I'm not interested in that. I want when people come in, I want to have an answer for their sickness that they're walking through. I don't care how good you can sing. I don't care how good you can preach. I don't care what songs you can write. Can you heal cancer? Is is there fruit coming from your life? I don't want to build a brand. We're not organization first. I'm not trying to protect a brand. We are people first. I'm trying to serve people in this city. Right? That's what, I'm I'm letting you know this because this is what you're a part of. Some people didn't like this when I told them this. They didn't like it. I began to tell them this about a year ago now. Pastor Casey started talking about some of this stuff. And I was like, I see us becoming this. They didn't like that. They wanted the buildings. And they wanted Emily and West to write number one billboard songs. And by all means, write them up. (laughs) 
But we're not building this around any of that. I, you know, if you get a popular enough preacher to come to your church, you can pack out a building. I have done it. I've done it. I've had them come in. Don't have enough seats. You can do all of that. You can get the you can get the next worship band to come to your church. I guarantee. You, I guarantee you. You call any popular worship people, whatever worship leaders out. You call them up. You say, "Hey, we're gonna pay you this amount of money to come and lead worship at our church." I guarantee there wouldn't be a seat in this place. That's right, Pedro. I'm not interested in building that. I'm, I'm to to to. I'm ending the heroic Christianity. It's strange. I want to build a home for families to come rest in. I want to build a safe place where families can be made whole. We have too many people walking around broken, projecting their brokenness onto their worlds. And we wonder why we have so many broken people. It's because we don't have enough whole people. And so I want we, we value family. One of the reasons is, is because I think that like this may offend some of y'all and that, that'll be okay and it'll offend your doctrine and whatever you believe about the end times and all that cool stuff. But when I pick Beckham up in the mornings, I don't pray for him to get saved. I don't. I speak to his spirit and I walk around with him. I'm like, Beckham, you're the righteousness of God. And don't let everybody ever tell you different. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And don't let anybody else ever tell you any different. Don't tell them that you need to be so made aware, you need to be made so aware of how broken you are so that you can run to the altar and beat your head off of the altar 1711 times before you can get this right in your life. I preached this a while back. Jesus died and made you righteous. We are all being awakened to that reality. If you are awakened to your sinfulness, you are not getting saved. You didn't meet God. You met your broken self. And you said, I'm in need. And where Jesus says, I have already supplied every need you have. Already paid the price for your sin. Why would a God who paid the price for your sin want to make you aware of it? Do you know what sin is? Anything that you believe wrong about God. And that will manifest in behaviors that are not fruitful for your life and that are damaging to you. Behind every sin issue that you have is because you don't believe God is as good as he, think, as he says he is. Behind every single one of them. Yeah. 
behind every issue that you have is because you do not believe that God is who he says he is. And I want to build a place where people come in here and they don't have to worry about if they're broken, if they're messy, if they're depressed, if they need to go see a doctor, if they need to go see a counselor, if they need to go, whatever they need to do, we want to be able to be a safe place for them and speak to their spirit that is broken and awaken them to the reality of who they are. That's what family does, right? So, it's easy to build a church. I don't want to build a church. I want to build a family. I have been to school to build a church. They will give you what will work, and it will work. It will get people in the door. It will get people coming back. There will be people. But you know what they say? This is, this is what they'll say. They will say, well, you don't need to be doing like Friendsgiving type stuff. Me too. And you don't need to be doing, you don't need to be doing like just getting together and having a good time. And I'm like, man, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Sounds awful. It's because they're building a brand. And they have to do everything in their power to protect the brand. And every time you get close, that is an opportunity for them to see a side of you that is not perfect. And that's not what we're doing. You don't do that in family. Alrighty. <laughs> Organizations, they're brand first, they're not people first. Organizations encourage you to put on your mask. Families encourage you to take it off. What kind of father would be okay with their kid coming home and not being themselves? Just as they are. I had this... I was with one of my friends. I kind of get emotional talking about that. I was with one of my friends a week ago, and I had this vision of, of Beckham. And he was running through my house, and he was having fun, and I could hear his laughter and all of this, and he had a mask on. And I saw myself walk over and take it off. And when I walked over and took his mask off, it, it, he had fell, his face was matted up, and he was embarrassed. Because he didn't want to disappoint dad. And I would prefer him with his mask off than his mask on. Because he's afraid he might disappoint me with all of the stuff that he's been through. And some of you still think that God wants you to come here and put on this thing of perfection. Listen, I've been doing this, I think for nine years now. I see right through it. I'm not going to embarrass you, but when you get ready to take the mask off, you'll be just fine right here. I've already told people to leave that weren't comfortable with other people taking their mask off. Not a problem. Because I'm not building a brand. 
We are not building a brand at Hope Unlimited. We are building a family. And if it stays just like this, I do not care. I do not care. I have met with people. I have met with people who have grown churches that have been on the fastest growing church list in America twice. For the fastest growing church in America. You know what they'll tell you? It was miserable. All of them say the same things. We're building a family, not a brand. It's easy to build a brand. It's easy to be a part of a brand. It takes vulnerability and realness to be a part of a family. How do you make sure that your families, and how do we make sure that our families walk in wholeness? Because that's what this whole message is about. I wanted to lay that groundwork just so you have a frame of reference for everything going forward. Number one, you need to be sure that you're giving your family an opportunity to encounter God. You need to be sure, man, that you're getting them in the presence of God. It is beyond me why people just think they can go and figure this thing out by themselves. An encounter with God is the catalyst for everything in your life. Everything in your life. One of my ears was just like, it like stopped up a little and it just popped open. And so if you just saw me make a weird face, that's what happened. <laughs> so praise God. I, I just like, I was hearing myself and then I was like, I was hearing myself. <laughs> So that's why it looked like that I just saw a ghost in the back room. <laughs> An encounter with Jesus is the catalyst for your wholeness. An encounter with Jesus is the catalyst for your wholeness. But you aren't designed to live from one encounter with Jesus. Imagine if me and Anna got married... And we were just married, but we never interacted with each other. That's right. Freshly married Pedro back there. <laughs> Amen. That isn't how relationship is designed to work. It's not that you just come in, experience the presence of God, go out, and you never encounter him during the week. That's not how this is supposed to work at all, ever, right? If I could, even, I could give you some theology and doctrine of the church to tell you what this getting together is all about, and it would, it would flip some things for you really hard in your mind for what church is actually about, right? Like, we could actually come together and do what we just did over there and go home, the reason why we teach in churches is to provoke you in worship. It's not because I need to get up here and preach. You think there's going to be preachers in heaven? No. Ain't nobody going to preach in heaven. What do we need to learn about? <laughs> what more information do we need? We are here. <laughs> like <laughs> We're here. Listen, 
You can't have an encounter with Jesus that changes your entire life and then try to exist with Him like that never happened. I want to read Psalm chapter 1 to you. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord in which he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted. Say firmly. Firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. There's one translation of this. You can take that down. You're good. There's one translation of this, and actually this should be translated, that, that yields fruit in every season, not just its season, right? It's supposed, you, when you are planted by the streams of living water, how in the world are you supposed to live fruitless? That doesn't make any sense. There's an actual translation that says that bears fruit in every season. He prospers in whatever he does and his leaf doesn't wither. So if his leaf is not withered, that means there's fruit. You were designed to be fruitful in every season. Let me say this, let me say this to you. That can only happen though when you get planted in the place that you found freedom. You cannot judge a Christian's life based off the freedoms they claim to have. You have to judge it based off the fruit hanging from their tree. Because there are certain things that people would say, well, you're free to do this, and you're free to do that, and you're free to do this, and you're free to do that, and I may not be. My argument to that is, is I'm not saying that you are or you're not. I'm just saying, look at my fruit. You are not designed to experience freedom. Listen, this is not a house where you come experience that new home vibe that you get when you walk in a house that's been set up for you to come in and view. That, that, that thing that gets your, your itching to buy a new house. Right? This is a home. This is a home where you need to stay a little while. And if you'll get planted, I promise you there'll be some fruit that comes from your life. You can't take where you experienced freedom and think that you just come in every now and then and experience freedom and expect to bear fruit. That's not how this works. That's like if you took a tree and you put it by a river for a day or two, you went and uprooted it, and you just you don't you don't even have to you only have to move it. You can actually leave it close enough to the river where it still experiences the wind coming off of the flow of the river. You tracking with me? But if it never gets planted, you won't ever have any fruit to show. There's some people that just do church. You just do church. It's just a hobby. And you'll experience the same things that we experience. But you'll never have fruit from it unless you get planted in it. You can experience the presence of God as much as you want. 
But there is a difference between just experience the presence of God one time and like, man, I remember when. Remember back then, the best, the, the depths of my encounter are ahead of me. They're not behind me. The first encounter I had with Jesus was a catalyst. It was an invitation to know him more. You know that the Ezekiel River, it gets deeper and deeper the further away it gets from the temple. It gets deeper and deeper the further away it gets from the temple. What if I said the deepest encounters that you have with God won't even happen here? And they make, and it's okay if the deepest encounter with God you've ever had happens here. Understand it's a catalyst to take you deeper. The next thing that you have to learn is if you want to walk in wholeness and if we want our families to walk in wholeness, you have to live in community. This is something that we talk about all the time around here. You have to live in community with other believers. You have to, li- you have to be a part of the family. You can't just... You cut yourself off from something that God has designed to heal you when you cut yourself off from community. You really do. James 5, 16 says, if you confess your sins one to another, here we are. That's John 5, 16. You're good, Seth. I got it here. I got it. You're good. Wrong verse. James 5, 16 says, if you confess your sins one to another, you may be healed. The fervent prayer of a righteous man prevaileth much. That's that verse. Here we go. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Some of you need to confess some stuff to people, one another, so that you may be healed, right? I actually have a little bit of, I believe that the work of Jesus saves us, and the work of the church heals us. The work of, the, the work of Jesus saves us, from death, the work of the church heals you to make you whole. God didn't make this for, like, can I just, I just want to say something this morning. Permission. If we were going and flying by and by in the sky, this would not be of any purpose. Community would not be of any purpose. You would be rescued going to heaven. You don't need nothing else. The best thing that we could do when you got saved is shoot you. I'm serious. I'm serious. But God uses you to fulfill his mission and his plan. You know, this is what... This is what uh, Acts chapter 3 says. Acts chapter 3 verse 21. It says that Jesus will remain in heaven until the restoration of all things. Who's going to restore everything?
We. We're that. It's us. We're people first. We're not organization first. God's going to take care of his church. Listen. God's going to take care of his church. We are commissioned to care for each other. We are sent on assignment to care for each other. Listen, I was reading this week. I have been reading in 1 John chapter 4 for a hot minute now. According to 1 John chapter 4, you don't experience the perfect love of God apart from community. Listen, let me explain to you. Verse 12 in 1 John chapter 4, it says God's love is perfected in us when we love one another. Later, it says God's love is perfected with us when we are loved by one another. There is a depth to God's love that is in all of this right here. I don't have all the answers to it. I can't explain it to you. I just know that when I sit down with people that I care about, I feel my heart vibrate. And when I, and like when I walk through my kitchen, when Anna meets with her small group, and I want to go upstairs and just pray for six hours because they're just people in there talking about the goodness of God, and my heart is like on fire. There's something to that. It's not just the love of God is perfected in us when we love one another, and it's perfected with us when we are loved by someone else. You cannot live in wholeness and isolation. You can't. I've tried. I've tried. I can be as introverted as you need me to be. And God didn't ask me if I was an introvert when he asked me to be a pastor. And he didn't ask me about my personality. Whew. Hate to see it. You can't cut yourself off from the thing that God designed to heal you. You can't. Stop trying to cut yourself off from the thing that God wants to use to heal you. There is something about just going to get dinner with somebody else. Do you know that Christianity does not have to be this like uptight thing that we like participate in? You know you can have fun. Like joy, like okay, okay, all right. The the kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. It's not seriousness. At me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. You can get together and eat dinner with people. You can join a community group. You can have fun. You can go fishing. Kelby? <laughs> yeah. I talked too long. Kelby will have a boat bought before the end of service. I live right across the street from a lake, so I'll be on the one with it. Some of you need to slow yourself down, but you don't need to cut yourself off. You might need to slow down, 
but you don't need to isolate yourself. This is the third point. You, some of you, if you want to walk in wholeness and we want our families to walk in wholeness, we have to make rest a practice. What if we live in an age of hustle and hurry and all of this stuff and we have so many people. I believe, I honestly believe this, that if I sat down and took you through an actual counseling session, I believe that most people have some underbuzz of anxiety. And it's because we, like, we have become slaves to hustle and hurry. And we've not learned how to rest, man. God wants you to rest. Jesus took naps. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Pastor Robert Gay, uh, he pastors in Panama City. He says this. He says, I have a cruise theology for all people who say that they love Jesus. He's like, Jesus spent a lot of times on boats. He's like, so I like to go on about three week long cruises a year. <laughs> and I was like, Amen. You know, Amen. You need to learn how to rest. You need to learn how to relax. If you haven't made rest a part of your weekly routine, you need to start. Start. Cut something else out. Cut something else out. Don't cut yourself off from community. Cut something else out of your life, though. Right? You can't be whole. If you think that you are called to work like a machine, you're not. You're not. You ain't. I need to say it any differently. You are not a machine. This is what resting has taught me. It's taught me to just linger in the presence of God. And there doesn't have to be like God breaking through and shooting me in the head with a flamethrower. When I say the presence of God, I don't mean the description of Acts chapter 2. Sometimes the presence of God is just me hanging out with Beckham in his room while he's throwing blocks at the wall and yelling. For no reason. There's nothing wrong. But there's yelling going on. The other day my family came, or a couple weeks ago my family came for his birthday. And they were like, he cannot put a block in his uh, diaper genie. And I'm like, alright, well you'll set up here and you'll be the one that gets it out when it goes in there. Because I know for a fact he can. Because he does it all the time. And my dad plan is, is he just thinks that they go away. So that I don't have to keep cleaning them up. And so that he's just putting the blocks in there and I'm just going to let them stay in there. And yeah, you get me. Learn to rest. Learn to linger in the presence of God. Last thing, Jansen, you can come on up. Everybody give it up for Jansen in the house. Jeez. Man. Pastor J. Dr. J. I love it. The last thing that you need to do if you want to get whole and if you want to live whole and you want to be sure that your family 
walks in wholeness is you need to take your mask off. The people who you live with need to know that you're not perfect. I said this earlier, any good father, any good father would prefer his child to not wear a mask than for you to wear a mask and look like someone you're really not. God prefers you broken versus a fake version of you. He literally would let rather you be living in this place of habitual sin and be real about it than to wear a mask and pretend like you're not. Because until you get real about that stuff, it's going to stay the same. It's going to stay the same. Until you show dad what's hurt you, some of you need to hear that. Until you show dad what's hurt you. And, I, and, and it needs to be dad. Like some of you still, this is okay, and please don't like think that I'm being like taking a jab at who you at what you call God. But some of you don't even need to hear the Lord will do this. Some of you really just need to hear that dad will take care of this. Some of you don't need to, some of you don't even need to hear that the Lord of God's armies is gonna come fight for you. You don't need to hear that. Some of you just need to hear that dad will handle this issue. He prefers you just like you are. You know, like we used to say this all the time. God will come to you when you're broken. But he ain't going to leave you that way. I disagree with that. I don't think that God will leave you broken. But I don't think God just stops visiting with you because you are. And everything isn't solved in a moment. Some people have the audacity to get up and say, I had an encounter with God. And everything was just solved in that one moment. Everything may have changed, but not everything was fixed. And some of you just need to know today that God loves you just like you are. And you can take your mask off and you can stop pretending. You can stop all that mess. Because He prefers you the way that you are, just real and vulnerable in front of Him. You know, I say family is one of our values here because, I mean, we have like 17 billion kids here, and I feel like every time I turn around, there's eight people in the church pregnant, having more kids. We're going to have an incredible youth group one day. 
dude, somebody's going to have a, a awesome youth pastor job. You ain't going to have to grow nothing. We all love God, and they're going to be here. You're going to have to tell them to invite anybody. They're all, they're all already going to be here. We're going to make them come. And if Beckham gets in trouble, he'll sit in the back corner in the presence of God. But I say families because I want to leave this. I'm tired of contracting out servants to come and do ministry. Why don't we just build a family who can do it themselves? You know why we don't have many guest speakers here? Because I don't want them to come. Not because I have anything against them, but because I believe that everything you need is already in your hand. How many guest speakers have we had here? Pastor Casey ain't a guest. He planted the church. But I want to hand this off to somebody that may not even be born yet. I don't want to have to go on a committee search. Are you with me? This is why we value family. Because I want my kids to grow up in an environment where they can encounter the love of Jesus and it be a catalyst that sends them on their way to a life that I never even knew you could accomplish in God. But listen, it requires us in this room creating an environment where they feel comfortable removing their mask because they'll do what dad does and they'll do what mom does and maybe because you have your mask on they keep theirs on just maybe stand to your feet There's nothing that I could think of worse. I'm being honest with you. I know that you might all could think of a few things worse. But I could never imagine leading a family, a group of people, where they weren't allowed to get real about their issues. My literally, what I don't want, because I have seen this stuff, man. I have seen pastor's kids tremble in fear because they have problems. Not mine. And you can call them whatever you want to. Better just hope I'm not around. (laughs) This is going to be an environment and an atmosphere where you can just be real. Just be real. Be yourself. That's what family is about. Yes, There's going to be people who know things about you because that's what family is, right? And so I want this house to become a home. I want this house to be more than just a thing. And people are more than welcome to come visit, man. That's not what I'm saying with this. We'll take all the first-time guests in the world But what I'm saying is, is this is going to be a place where if they want to be home, they can be home. 
Because there's going to be a group of people here that treat them like they are already engrafted in. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.